Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Well, it's, it's a joy. Thank you, Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne, for the opportunity to, to be here today sharing the word with you. Uh, obviously, I don't take it lightly, and I'm very honored to be able uh, to do so. This is probably going to happen a few times, so just uh, go ahead and say, go ahead and cry, PR. I got your permission. You're the best. Thank you. And I also just want to say, just like I, I told the first service, uh, I love you guys. Uh, I, I just, I love you. I, I love who you are. I love what you mean to this house, to this staff, to Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne. I love what you mean to each other. Uh, it's been a joy in a short period of time to watch the camaraderie of our house, uh, to watch the unity of our house, to watch the, the shouldering uh, of something pretty heavy uh, together, watch, watch the shouldering of it together. It's just been a joy to be able to see that. So uh, I love you. I love you. And uh, well, yeah, cool, far out. Uh, thank you. Uh, but I just appreciate who you guys are. So, so anyway, let's get into the Word. Here we go. Uh, here's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the joy of the trials. The joy of trials. Now, I, I know that for a pretty good while now, we've been talking about the joy of fill in the blank. Uh, and most of our topics have been happy topics, you know. Uh, the joy of grace, the joy of peace, the joy of patience, the joy of victory, the joy of giving, the joy of receiving, a lot of happy topics. And then Pastor Ron comes along and just really throws a fly in the ointment and starts talking about the joy of trials. But let's be honest, guys, if we're really honest with our, each other uh, and honest with God, we would have to say that usually the picture of our Christian life looks something like this. You're in a trial, you're coming out of a trial, or you're going into a trial. It's just kind of how things look a lot of times in our spiritual life. And I, I find that there actually is a very, very strong biblical pattern uh, that tells us that consider it all joy when you find yourself in a trial. So Pastor Ron may be throwing something at you that's a little heavy in the title, but the fact of the matter is it's very biblical that we have the ability to, to find the joy in the midst of of the trial. Now, if I was going to subtitle this, I would subtitle it Hope in the Dark. Uh, and I'm using for a background the book of Habakkuk. Now, I know we don't read the book of Habakkuk a lot. It's a powerful book. And understand this, guys, the book of Habakkuk is not for sissies. It's not for Christian sissies. So if you kind of uh, are in that category, well, first of all, we'll pray for you for strength. Second of all, stay away from the book of Habakkuk because it's, it's pretty heavy duty. Uh, Habakkuk was a minor prophet that lived right around 600 BC. And uh, he was a prophet during a time in Israel where things were pretty tough. Here's kind of the pattern of, and the setting of how things go. Israel's doing pretty good. They're doing all right. And uh, they're doing so good that they kind of get in a position to where they start getting a little cocky. They kind of get a little arrogant. In the South, we call it feeling your oats. They're starting to feel pretty good about themselves. And about that time, God says, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to deal with that pride. I'm going to deal with that attitude. And here's what I'm going to do. Along come the Babylonians, and Israel goes into Babylonian captivity. 
So they go from this real prosperous time, this real interesting time, this real uh, profitable time, to where now they're literally in what we call Babylonian captivity. And along comes Habakkuk. And you know, one of the things that I find about the book of Habakkuk, guys, it's real interesting to me, as Habakkuk speaks, he does something that's different than the other prophets. He starts speaking to God. He addresses everything in his book to God. Now, Isaiah didn't do that. Isaiah spoke to the people. Uh, Jeremiah spoke to the people. Daniel spoke to the people. Amos spoke to the people. Micah spoke to the people. Habakkuk, Habakkuk comes along and he starts speaking to God. And here's one of the first thing he says. If I'm going to summarize the book of Habakkuk as much as I can, it kind of comes down to this one phrase. It's Habakkuk literally talking to God. And here's what he's saying. God, why don't you do something? Why don't you do something? We're, we're in captivity down here, God. We're going through a hard time, God. We're going through a tough time. We're in bondage. Why don't you do something? I can almost see it in my mind's eye, if I can say it that way, uh, of Habakkuk literally almost, almost shaking his fist in the air and saying, God, where are you, God? Have you ever said that? Come on, somebody. Why don't you do something, God? Give me a break. Help me out a little bit. Why don't you do something? And so what we find is this, this voice of the prophet Habakkuk looking at God and saying, where are you? What's going on? We're going through this really tough time. Why don't you do something? Here's the book, if I'm going to summarize it. Chapter one, there's wondering, a crisis of unbelief or a crisis of belief, either one, because they're struggling with both. Chapter two, there's this waiting. Has God turned his back on you? Where are you, God? But then in chapter three, I love this, guys, the tone starts to change. The attitude starts to change. Come on, guys from the Rocky Gainesville. How many of you have found yourself going on one of those prayer walks and shaking your fist in the air saying, where are you, God? And God says, I'm right here. And all of a sudden, the tone starts to change. All of a sudden, the, the, the culture of your heart, the product of your heart goes right here. I'm gone from, where are you, God? To, but the Lord is in his holy temple. He hadn't left me. He hasn't turned his back on me. He hasn't walked away from me. I'm, I'm yelling and I'm screaming and I'm pleading, so to speak. God, where are you? And then all of a sudden, I hit reset. Come on, somebody. Have you ever been in a trial and you had to hit reset? You kind of had to hit reset. You're in that position of saying, where are you, God? Wait just a second. I know where God is. He's in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him and worship him. Let all the earth be silent before him and worship him. And that's what Habakkuk does. Habakkuk hits reset. Confusion turns to trusting. Unsettling turns to embracing. Where are you, God? Oh, that's where you are. Help me out, God. Oh, you are helping me. I need to rely on you, God. Oh, you haven't left me and you haven't, come on somebody, forsaken me. You haven't forsaken me. It's the dark hour, yeah. It's the trial, yeah. It's the pain, yeah. But you haven't forsaken me, God. And I know that now because God showed up and I hit reset and I'm full of faith again. I'm full of faith again. You know, during the first service, I, I was kind of just going along and all of a sudden sitting right back there, right about where Julie is, I looked and I saw the Teolis. 
And I remember, guys, like it was yesterday when I showed up at Shan's Hospital and Matthew and Sarah Teoli got the news that their beautiful little girl had cancer. I never will forget that day because I go to Shan's and I'm, I'm buzzing through traffic. Uh, if, I, if, if you'll love me anyway, I, I ran a whole lot of red lights. I, I, I broke a little bit of speed limits. I had a good time. I got to Shan's Hospital, and I'm running up to Shan's Hospital, and I can, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to walk into. I don't know what I'm going to walk into. A beautiful couple just found out that their firstborn, beautiful little girl has cancer. I don't know what I'm walking into. And so I'm trying to get up to the room as fast as I can, and I'm waiting for one of those Shan's elevators. Have you ever waited for a Shan's elevator? How many of you would love Pastor Ron enough to agree with me that they are of the devil? And I'm punching, ah, why do we do this? We're waiting for an elevator and we hit that same button about a hundred times. Have you, have you ever done that? You're waiting for the elevator and you keep punching that button. I got tired of waiting for the elevator. I was saying things that pastors really shouldn't say. So I took the stairs and I'm buzzing up the stairs because I'm trying to get to the Teoli's room and trying to minister to a couple that I dearly, dearly, dearly love. And I get in the stairwell of Shan's Hospital, and as I'm buzzing up the stairwell, coming down the stairwell is Matthew. And I think to myself, just a second, wait just a minute, hold on. I'm coming up here to minister to you. I'm trying to get to your room so I can minister to you. You're not in the room. You're in the stairwell. I said, Matthew, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to get a hamburger. And I said, hold on just a second. Your, your little girl is up on the fourth floor and we just found out she has cancer and you're going to get a hamburger. I said, is that where you're really going, Matthew? Yeah, she, he said, Sarah's hungry and I'm gonna go get a hamburger. I said, but Matthew, you just found out your little girl was diagnosed with cancer. He said, yeah, you're right. And I remember it like I'm standing here right now, guys. But he said these words, but God's got the day. But God's got the day. Come on, somebody, give the Lord an ovation of praise. But God's got the day. That, that's the reset. That's the reset of Habakkuk. Yeah, God, where are you, God? Oh, you're right here because God's got the day. Because God's in control. Here's, here's how he says it. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 1. The prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet on Shiganoth. Now, how many of you would agree with Pastor Ron? That's a really strange word. I mean, how many of you use the word Shiganoth in your daily vocabulary this week? Come on now. Odd word, right? But it has a phenomenal meaning. The word Shiganoth literally is a musical term. And here's what it means. It means a strong emotion. It means vigorous enthusiasm. And when I put all that together, here's what I see, guys. Come on with Pastor Ron. I see on one side... I see Habakkuk saying, where are you, God? Reset, God, you are in your holy temple. Come on, somebody. Where are you, God? Oh, that's where you are. You are my God, you are my Lord, and you've not turned your back on me. It goes from shaking the fist in the air to worshiping the Father with everything that's in him. Vigorous enthusiasm, strong emotion. Now listen, guys, that's not your country beer ballad. Are you, are you with me? Shiganoth is not your country beer ballad. Now, I got to take a little bit 
of issue with Pastor George. I love him. He's probably watching. I love you. I really do. And I'm not offended to the point of anything crazy, but you talked about my country music last week. And you said bad things. Now, I'm well aware. I listen to country music. Say, it's okay, Pastor Ron. Thank you. I listen to country music. And I, I agree that a lot of times you listen to country music, you lose your dog, you lose your wife, you lose your house, you lose everything. Sometimes you get it back, sometimes you don't. But I have found that if you listen to country music long enough, you will ultimately find some pretty good theology. You really will. Rodney Atkins has a song, if you're going through hell, keep on going. That's good theology, man. Look guys, I've been through hell. You've been through hell, but you didn't pitch your tent. You've been through hell, but you didn't set up camp. You've been through hell, but you didn't put on your pajamas. You kept on going. I've been through the valley of the shadow of death. I came out on the other side victorious. Yeah, I went through the battle, but there's no victory without the battle. There's no victory without the battle. That kind of Shiganoth praise, if I can say it that way. Hear me, guys. That's praise before provision. That's praise before provision. It is praise not for what, it is praise for who. It's not praise for what I can get from God. It's not praise for what I can receive. You will receive it. But it is praise for who is going to give it to you. Habakkuk chapter three, verse two. It says, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. That's Shiganoth praise right there. It's not God, where are you? It's I've heard of your faith, fame rather. I stand in awe of your deeds. It's not where are you God? It's saying, God, you are a magnificent God that's never ever going to let me down. That's Shiganoth praise. You know, I told you, and it's the honest truth, I, I've read this book probably five times in the past couple of weeks. Every time I get right here to Habakkuk chapter three, verse two, I think of that song, Lord, you're going to do it again. You make a way when there is no way. You move the mountains. Come on, somebody. Come on, I'm preaching a whole lot better than you're shouting right now. You'll move the mountains. You'll get rid of the obstacles. You'll do what you promised me you're going to do. You'll do what you said you were going to do. When heaven and earth will pass away, the word of God will still be standing. You're going to do it, oh Lord. And I stand in awe of that. And every time I get to this verse right here, that's, this is the song I think of. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to worship God. We're going to praise God. Stand with me. The band's up here. How many of you know we got a fantastic band and worship team? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. And we're going to worship God, aren't we, James? We're going to worship. You made a way when there was no way. You moved mountains. And you know what I want out of you? These guys are going to lead you. I want Shiganoth worshipers out here today. Come on, somebody. I want Shiganoth worshipers. I want vigorous expression. I want something that's meaningful as this man leads you. Because God's going to make a way in your life. Go ahead.
Now turn and hug three or four people and say, he's going to make a way, and then you can be seated. Hug a bunch of folks and say, he's going to make a way. Hug somebody and say, he's moving my mountain right now. He's moving my mountain right now. Amen. Thank you. I love you guys. You are the best. You know, when I started uh, listening to Pastor last week and he was talking about, here's the word he said a number of times that really just kind of jumped in me a bunch of times as I know it did you. Uh, there is no victory without the battle. You've got to have the battle. And so as he said that, the thing that kept uh, stirring in me was that phrase, well, this is how I fight my battles. How, how do we fight our battles? This is how I fight my battles. And so I looked at the joy of the trial and I started asking myself, all right, Hyatt, how do you fight your battles? And I looked at Habakkuk and I came up with two principles. Number one, when in the dark, when in the dark, I remember the goodness of God. This is how I fight my battles. When I'm in the dark, I'm going to remember the goodness of God. Listen, guys, you and I have to have, we have to have in our spiritual life a point of reference. I've got to have something that I can go back to and say, God, I'm in the midst of a battle, but I remember when I was in a battle before and you came through for me then. And if you came through for me then, you're going to come through for me again. And that's what he's saying here. He's using these uh, two words or two places of Teman and Paran. And here's what he said. God came from Teman and Paran and his glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. Now, let me understand that with you. Teman and Paran were two areas that were literally the settling of the greatest enemies of Israel. The darkest hours in the history of Israel, they were invaded by armies that came from these two regions. So here's what Habakkuk is saying. No matter how bad it gets, I'm going to be there for you. No matter how dark the hour gets, I'm going to be there for you. It don't matter how big your enemies are, I'm going to be there for you. If they're coming towards you, I am your Jehovah Nisi. I am getting to you before they get to you. So I understand that he has this unbelievable way of showing me that I, I've got a point of reference. I say, God, you did it for me before you're going to do it again. Remember God's goodness. And here's what he says. His splendor was like the sunrise where his power was hidden. He stood and shook the earth and made the nations tremble. His ways are eternal. Here's a quote that I came across this week that you got to get by Bill Johnson. I will not sacrifice. Now let's go through this slowly because I want you to get it. I will not sacrifice my knowledge of the goodness of God on the altar of human reasoning. See, here's what I do. I say, well, you know, God's not answering my prayer right now. He must be answering it because human reasoning. I'm not getting an answer from God right now. I must not be getting that answer because human reasoning. I'm not going to sacrifice my knowledge. You know what I told the first service? We have a, a mind that has phenomenal capacity. We literally can think, dream, believe big, big, big things. You know, there's one thing I can never think bigger than, and that's the goodness of God. No matter how great I think God's goodness is, his goodness is better, man. His, his goodness is bigger. And I'm not going to sacrifice my knowledge of how great the goodness of God is on the altar of human reasoning so I can have an explanation for a seemingly 
unanswered prayer. Well, maybe he's not answering it because of this, or he's not answering it because of that. No, man, I ain't doing that. No matter, listen to me, guys, no matter what I'm walking through, God's really good. No matter how bad it gets, God's really good. No matter how tough it is right now for you, God's really good. No matter what you're walking through, God's really good. No matter how hard you got it, God's really good. So I'm going to remember the goodness of God and be thankful for it. You know, I I was talking to Pastor Tuesday and I told him that I wanted to follow up what he shared last Sunday with this thing was on my heart. And we talked very briefly, well, this this is the Sunday before Thanksgiving. So we talked very briefly about bringing a Thanksgiving message. So on three, everybody say, thank you, God. One, two, three. There's our Thanksgiving message right there. Come on, somebody. Come on, put your hands together and say, thank you, God. Now, I'm not making light of Thanksgiving. I'm not overlooking that, but I tell you what, I am thankful for the goodness of God 365 days a year. I love this week. It's one of my favorite holidays. It's one of my favorite celebrations. I am thankful for God seven days a week, 365 days a year. One more time. One, two, three. Amen. Number two, here's what I'm going to do. When I'm in the dark, when I'm in the trial, I'm going to find joy in the trial because I embrace God's presence through praise. There were two things that Israel was trained very, very well in. Worship and warfare in that order. Worship and warfare. Literally to this day, a Jewish father, when he gets up in the morning, will read a psalm to his family. Before he goes to bed, he will read a psalm to his family. Worship. In the nation of Israel right now, the state of Israel right now, any young man over the age of 18 serves a mandatory military term. Worship and warfare. They've been trained from the beginning of time in those two things. And to this day, they're still trained in worship and warfare. There's not a better example of that than 2 Chronicles chapter 20, the story of Jehoshaphat. In the story of Jehoshaphat, Israel is about to be invaded by three nations, three times bigger than the nation of Israel. Jehoshaphat, a good king of Israel, gets the people together and brings them all into the city. And you know what they start doing, guys? They don't start loading their 270. They don't start sharpening their swords. They don't put buckshot in their 12 gauge. You know what they start doing? They start worshiping. The nation together, the comrades of the nation coming together in a dark time. And in that dark time, the comrades, are you getting what I'm saying right now? The comrades of the nation, the body of the nation, they come together and they start worshiping. In the midst of worship, a man by the name of Jehaziel stands up, and here's what he says. The battle's not yours. The battle's God's. The battle is not yours. The battle's God's. What does that do? That comes out, that prophetic utterance comes out of worship. As the nation comes together and worships together, a statement, a declaration of victory before war was ever fought a declaration of victory was made. They go out and they say, the battle is not yours, but God's. Now listen to me. He goes on to say, you're going to go down to the valley and you're going to fight three nations, Moab, Ammon, and Mount Seir. Three nations coming against little bitty Israel. You're going to go down and fight, man. But here's what I want you to do. 
get ready to go down and fight, but go, don't go down and start fighting until you put your worshipers out front. Go down and get ready for battle, but the first thing you're going to do is you're going to lead the way with your worshipers. Now, listen to Pastor Ron like I told the first service. I'm getting ready to go down and fight three huge armies. I don't have Rambo out in front of me. I got Soprano. Doesn't make any sense, does it? Battle's not yours, man. The battle's God's. Come on, somebody. The battle's not yours. The battle's God's. They go down there to the valley, and they never lift a finger. They get down there, and all three armies are wiped out. Why? They led the battle, the victory with worship, and God fought the battle for them. Oh, come on. You can do better now. Put your hands together. God fought the battle for them. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 16 and 18 says, I, I heard and my heart pounded, yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity. Watch this now. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, and the fields produce no food, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Look, before worship, Habakkuk saying, I don't have this, I don't have this, I don't have this, I don't have this. After worship, he's saying, I will be joyful in God my Savior. Before worship, I'm recognizing everything I don't have. After worship, I'm seeing everything that I do have because I serve a sovereign God. Here's why. Choosing worship frees me from being a victim. I cannot be a victim and worship God. I can't say, woe is me, and worship God. Before worship, I'm going to see everything I don't have. After worship, I'm going to see everything that God is providing. Habakkuk 3.19, the sovereign Lord is my strength, and he enables me to go to great heights. Why? Because God's my ultimate steward. He's the ultimate manager. God's just not stewarding my finances. He's stewarding and managing my entire life. And here's what he's doing in his management process. He's taking my tears and he's turning it into hope. He's taking my tears and he's turning it into a hope-filled future. Here's why. Choosing worship. I love this, man. Choosing to worship reminds me that what is right about God is a whole lot better than what's wrong in my life. Been through some wrong. You've been through some wrong. You face some battles. But when you assume that position of worship, what you realize, and I choose to worship, is what's right about God is a whole lot bigger, a whole lot better, a whole lot more powerful than what's going on in my life that seems wrong. Why? He made a way when there is no way. He turned it around. Here's what happens in Habakkuk, and I'm done. Chapter 1, there's some wondering. God, where are you? Wondering can turn into wandering, but it didn't with Habakkuk and the nation of Israel. He wondered, what's going on, God? But he didn't walk away. Chapter 2, we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're waiting, but we're not quitting. We're not giving up. And then in chapter 3, we're winning. We go from wondering, where are you, God, to waiting, I'm going to be patient and trust my Lord, and then I'm going to go to winning. 
and receiving that victory that Pastor George talked about last week. There's that battle, but I'm going to receive that victory that Pastor George talked about last week. And here's the beautiful thing, and I'm done. If it's God's time, you can't force it. When it's God's time, you can't stop it. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. When it's God's time, I can't, I can't make it happen. I, I have been guilty of trying to make it happen, and so have you. Sorry, God. But when it's God's timing, I can't force it. But when it's, when it's not God's time, rather, sorry, I can't force it. But when it is God's time, it comes in like a flood because I can't stop it. We've been there, guys. Some of us may still kind of be there today, battling through what we're battling through as a house, saying, where are you, God? He is on his throne in the heavenlies, and all of the earth is filled with his glory. And he's a mighty, mighty God that's taking care of Pastor George, Pastor Suzanne, and us. And we're fighting a battle. Just a step closer to victory. Come on, somebody. Ah, come on, somebody. We're fighting a battle, but today we're just a step closer to victory. I love you guys. Bow your heads. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the people of God and I thank you for your word. I also thank you for your promise that we are fighting a battle, but it's a battle that uh, we understand and know with full confidence there is victory at the end of the battle because that is you. That's our point of reference, God. That's our point of reference. You've never failed us and you never will. And, and the beauty of that, Lord, is while we're in that battle, the battle's not ours, the battle's God's. And we trust you with it today. And Father, I pray for those that are in the battle and they need to win that battle. They need to fight through that battle, but they need to, in order to do that, they've got to make God the sovereign Lord of their life, Savior of their life. And so I just pray over them right now that you're touching their heart with your beautiful touch of love, your beautiful touch of compassion, ministering them, encouraging them that they've got to come to that place of making God Lord of their life to win that battle. Every head's bowed. Nobody's looking around for just a second. You're here today and you're saying, Pastor Ron, I'm in that battle. I'm in that battle that you're talking about. And I want to win that battle. But in order to win that battle, I have a revelation right now that I've got to make God Lord of my life, Jesus Lord and Savior of my life. And I want to make that declaration to win that battle. Would you please pray for me? And all these people gathering together, pray for me. Would you please do that? Put your hand up right where you are. Right where you are. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. While heads are still bowed and those hands are being raised and put down, let me just tell you right now, because I seriously do love you, the battle's not yours, the battle's God's, but you're taking a step for him to win that victory for you right now. Yes, yes. All right, let's pray together. Here's what I want you to do. The beautiful thing about God is he doesn't always make things easy, but he makes them simple. Very simple to come to Christ. I'm going to lead you in prayer, and you're going to pray in faith as, as we lead you and pray together. And you're going to make a declaration. God, 
I want you to forgive me of my sins and become Lord of my life and win that battle for me. So everybody in this building praying out loud together right now, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I ask you, Lord, that you will help me to win that battle. In doing so, I'm making a statement publicly that what I wanna do is make Jesus Lord of my life. I want to accept God through Jesus, ask for the forgiveness of sins, and be changed instantaneously, because that's what the Word says. Thank you, Father. As I make this declaration, you're taking all the old stuff and you're bringing in the new. And today, I am a new creature in Christ. All things are gone. I'm starting fresh with Jesus right now. I accept you, Lord, as my Savior, and I'm going to make you Lord of my life and win the battle of life in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Give the Lord a big ovation of praise as Pastor Hector. Hallelujah. Come on, put your hands together. Thank Pastor Ron. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.